Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining us for Full Metal Pod, podcast about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy. And this is episode 15. So, Jimmy, how was your Thanksgiving weekend? My Thanksgiving was pretty awesome. Um, I didn't spend it with the extended family, but I cooked a turkey for the first time, which is awesome. I made... I call it stuffing, like cornbread stuffing, but we don't put it in the turkey, so I guess it's dressing and sweet potatoes and all the stuff. I made basically a Thanksgiving meal. It was awesome. That's nice. I did not. I actually, well, so I made some um, pumpkin cream cheese snickerdoodles for my neighbors. Like every week I try to make something different, but since I'm alone, like I don't, and I shouldn't really be eating like bulk amounts of sweets i usually just put all the extras which is a lot onto a plate or something in the lobby and i say like hey here is uh here is this try that and they usually they usually appreciate it so that's always nice so that's pretty much all i did and then i just kind of kicked it with the dog nice yeah i i just uh watched a lot of tv afterwards i watched the macy's thanksgiving day parade it was interesting because they're not actually going however many blocks they usually go down. I guess it's just one street block that they bring the floats and balloons down. So, And it played later in the day, too, which is weird. Gosh, I haven't watched that in years. I remember watching it when I was younger. I wonder what... I wonder, so they still do the balloons, I guess? Well, I guess that makes sense. But kind of feel like maybe they would have moved on to, like, crazy laser shows or something more high-tech, I guess, or a holograph. A hologram uh, of uh, oh, that would be like, cooler. SpongeBob I or am, something. I don't want to call like shade on anyone, but Kiki Palmer, if you're listening to our podcast, your lip syncing was not good on the float. It was off, and I, I'm sure there were technical difficulties or whatnot, but it was noticeable. And I know you're better than that. Man, it was putting her on blast on the podcast, man. She came out of a flow, and then she started. Her song came on, and it was just, it was not good, man. Her lips were kind of off from the music, and I get it because you want good audio, so they probably just played the recorded track. But man, it was not fun to watch. Sorry, geeky. I'm trying to remember what I watched this weekend. Uh, nothing. Uh, no. So I did. What did I watch? I did. I did buy uh, the Miles Morales game. I was somewhat disappointed in it. I mean, it was a fun game, but it felt like just really large DLC because it's actually shorter than the first Spider-Man game, and there's only three villains in it, and so it just didn't feel like a fully fleshed out game uh and then of course they just reused a lot of assets like they reused new york city and everything so that being said it was still it was still a fun game to play it just i was able to finish it in two days so it's like okay well better than the avengers game yeah most things are better than the avengers game I, that, that one was definitely a disappointment for me because i thought it was going to be so much better than it actually wound up being i need to get back into it. i haven't finished it yet 
And I know that they just released the first DLC for it, or they're about to. I have hopes for it, and maybe I'm just holding out for my favorite character to be released. But it's it sounded epic when they were before it came out. Yeah, I guess my thing is they could have just done so much more with it than what they actually wound up doing, and so that's what would upset me is that it just it felt lacking in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I wish it was uh the multiplayer was kind of you could play through some more story as a team or I I feel like if it it was more multiplayer it'd be better just so you could gather your friends and do some cool missions. Probably that would have made sense. But yeah, that one was not great. I definitely think the Spider-Man games are much better than the uh, that Avengers game that came out. Um, I did for Black Friday. Uh, Square Enix was having the the sale, and originally I wasn't going to buy anything because I just didn't care. Not not Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Sorry. So they had the sale, but then I saw that they had like Kingdom Hearts, like everything up to i think the third version so i think it was kingdom hearts one kingdom hearts two uh 358 over two days birth by sleep dream drop distance uh chain of memories all that stuff uh 2.8 i guess the uh uh epic prologue or whatever it was called and so uh yeah so i'm like oh cool now i have all kingdom hearts which I mean, I think I could do a whole podcast on how stupid the number scheming is of Kingdom Hearts. Like, you should be able to play... Like, if you play one, two, three, you should have a good idea what the story is. But they made so many spinoff games that, like, if you if you played no Kingdom Hearts between two and three, you were lost when you were playing three on um, a lot of the stuff they were talking about. Didn't most of the, like, in-between games come out uh, for, like, the DS? They weren't even on console? No, yeah, most of them came out for PSP or DS. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I loved Kingdom Hearts one and two. I haven't played three yet, uh, but I guess I can't. I gotta play all the in between games first. You're saying? Yeah, or you could just like because the Kingdom Hearts game was such a big deal when when three came out. There were just a ton of videos that were dumped online where these people would analyze the movie or, or the game and like tell you what happened up to three. That way you didn't feel lost, which I was like, good, because they put plot important things in like a mobile game. Like there's a, what is it called? Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts Key or Kingdom Hearts Union Cross. I don't, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's it's a mobile game for like Apple and, and Android. And so... There's some plot important stuff in that game that wasn't mentioned in Kingdom Hearts three, so it's like, oh wow, yeah, they just keep uh, they just keep leaving us with nothing to know, or with like, you had you you either had to watch one of those video dumps or you had to have played every single game in order to play the third one, and that like beyond just playing part one and part two. Oh man, I wonder if it's it's probably not on the Switch, but. Man, Kingdom Hearts would be so much fun to play on the Switch. Just so you could take it around with you. Yeah, it would be. I mean, I from a power perspective, a Switch should have the power to be able to prep to play Kingdom Hearts 1 or 2 because those are PlayStation 2 games. But I think, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty confident that they're PlayStation exclusives. Oh, man. Oh, really? I, I thought Kingdom Hearts 3 was on the Xbox. 
Maybe that one came out on the Xbox. I know. So I know Kingdom Hearts one and two were PlayStation exclusives, though they very well may have been released in Xbox later. Uh, but then, of course, the side games came out in different platforms: PSP, uh, Game Boy Advance, 3DS, um, all of that stuff. So and mobile. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if the if they wound up porting the pr- previous versions to Switch though, but you know who knows? Maybe they did. I know they just released another one that's not Kingdom Hearts Four for the Switch, the Hearts of Melody or whatever it's called. So uh, that's about I think the, maybe the only title that's on Switch. Man, I, could I, I need more uh, Switch video games. I had such big plans for the Switch. I got it, and it was going to be my thing. I took on airplanes and. That I traveled with, and you know, 2020 hit us, and I haven't gotten to travel at all this year. That was the exact reason I bought my Switch was for travel, and um, when I was traveling, it was handy because it was a good way to kill like four or five hours on a plane if I'm traveling to the East Coast or traveling to Central Time Zone or whatever. But you know, now that I'm home all the time, I'm like, eh, my PlayStation's right there. Yeah, I just uh. I just bought this laptop, and I guess my Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff is uh, just looking at all the video games on Steam. I think I'm going to start playing Mass Effect again. That would be fun. I It's been a long time since I've played it. Uh, like a long, long time, but I remember it being a fun game. Yeah, I just I remember being upset about certain deaths that happened in the game because of decisions I made way earlier. So, I don't know. I'm trying to go in it with a free mind, but I kind of know where I want my story to go. Yeah, hopefully it's good. I, I honestly don't know, but hopefully it winds up being a good experience. Playing nostalgic games sometimes can be fun, but then it also sometimes sucks because you'll go up and you'll, you'll play it and then you'll be like, oh, man, this wasn't as good as I remembered when I was 15 or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's maybe best to leave the memories as they are and just kind of move forward. Yep. I 100% agree. Well, on that note, one thing that never gets stale is Full Metal Alchemist. So let's jump in. Let's see here. So we have episodes 28 and episodes 29. 28 being Father and then Struggle of the Fool being 29. Um, if you're going by season, it would be season three, episode two, season three, episode three. So father, we're going to catch up here a little bit with whatever's going on. We finally get to meet father or the, who the homunculi call father. Uh, we don't get any other name for him other than father. So that's what we'll be calling him. And he looks almost exactly like Hohenheim does so much so that Al calls him dad. But then all of a sudden, Gluttony's insides just kind of rip open, and he spits out Envy, Ed, and Al. So, or sorry, Envy, Ed, Ed, and Ling. Al is elated to see Ed, and then of course, you know, Ed and Ling are happy that the plan actually worked. Uh, Father approaches curiously because he has never seen Gluttony spit anything out before. Ed recognizes him as Hohenheim as well, but seeing as Father has no idea who they are, Edward becomes confused. You know, this guy looks just like my dad, but he doesn't seem to have any idea who I am. 
father realizes that Ed is injured and that Al is missing a hand. So he heals Ed's broken arm and broken ribs and repairs Al's hand without actually fitting out the armor. So he was able to essentially do a transmutation without acknowledging equivalent exchange. And he also didn't have to do any real movements. Like he didn't have to draw a transmutation transmutation circle you didn't have to touch a transmutation circle he didn't have to clap his hands it was almost as if he could do alchemy just by thinking it the father mentions that he needs the boys to be alive and well as they are important resources for him so that's why he patched them up uh ling notices that father isn't human but father orders gluttony to eat ling because ling has really no benefit to him and Ed asks him not to because, hey, you know, Father, if you want us to be happy, you should, you know, not eat our friend. Ling states that Father seems to look down on humans, but then Father corrects him because he says, you know, humans don't think about ants. Ants are so inconsequential that they don't want to, that we don't even think about them. Well, that's how I see humans. You guys are so inconsequential to me. I don't even think about you. Uh, Ed engages in a fight with Father but it is clear that he is outmatched. Father is not amused by all the alchemaic fighting going on, so he just simply taps his foot and cancels out the Elric's brother in ability to do alchemy. Envy then pins down the brothers, and Gluttony pins down Ling. Envy points out that their powers really isn't theirs. It's almost cryptic, but he basically is saying that you know their ability to use alchemy they think that it's their power, but it really isn't. Father then realizes that Ling may actually be useful after all. He removes a philosopher's stone from like this third eye that he opens on his head. It almost looks like a mini gate. And then the philosopher's stone drops out of it. And Envy mentions, oh man, you, you think this will work? You're going to be creating a new homunculus by adding a... Uh, a stone to Ling's bloodstream, similar to what we saw happen with Wrath in his past. Ed pleads for Father to let Ling go because Envy mentions that more often than not, this results in the death of somebody versus actually working. Uh, but of course, nobody really cares what he says. Ed being unable to use alchemy, he grabs the gun that Riza gave him and he points it at Envy, but then he sees one of those human faces on Envy's body, and he just can't bring himself to shoot. Ling then actually tells Ed to just stay out of this. Uh, Ling wants a Philosopher's Stone. This is why he came to Amestra. So he says, I'm getting what I want. I'm giving the secrets to immortality. Father found it very interesting that he was not afraid and that he was willing to go through with this, but he's like, hey, you're... Let's see if your body is as willing as your mind. So he puts the stone into a cut on Ling's face. Stone enters Ling's bloodstream. And we see him just, his body kind of twitch and contort and everything as he is transforming. He starts spitting up blood. But then he says, you know, leave me alone. I've got this. We kind of jump into uh, Ling's body or I guess kind of like a spiritual plane within Ling, if you will. And we see all the souls that make up the Philosopher's Stone and then Ling's soul, which looks like Ling. And then we see Greed's soul appear. It looks like we are, uh, Father has got a use for Greed after all, and he wants to turn Ling into the new Greed. Gr Greed's a little uh, not thrilled that it's such a 
you know, body of a young boy that he's taken over, not a stronger body, but you know, he's cool with it, whatever. This is what I've got. But then Ling says, Hey, I'm fine, take over my body. Uh, I accept you with open arms because you have the power that I need to protect my people. So rather than fighting it, like we see with other people, he just kind of straight up accepted it. Ling has now become the new greed, but it's not the greed from before. It sounds like the greed from before, more or less, but he doesn't have any memories of the past life. And now he has an Ouroboros tattoo on his hand. He looks a little taller and, of course, talks with a different voice. Uh, now, Scar and Mei Chang enter. Xiao Mei and Mei Chang are reunited. Scar sees that Ed and Al are pinned down, so he realizes that they can't be in league with the homunculi. Mei Chang then realizes that the Full Metal Alchemist isn't the dreamboat that she thought he was. Surprisingly enough, Mei Chang and Scar are able to use their transmutations and fight, but the brothers still are not able to. Ed decides to turn the tables in his favor, and he tells Scar that Envy was the soldier who shot the child that started the war, and that Father was the one who orchestrated it all. So Scar now directs his anger towards the homunculi, and a fight ensues. Father manages to get behind Scar and says he just wants to talk, but then Scar tries to attack Father by doing his normal move of putting his hand on, on, a, on his head and trying to blow him up, but it didn't work. Father recognizes, okay, yeah, this is interesting. You're doing a decomposition here. Scar realizes something is wrong, so he jumps away just in the nick of time when Father attacks him. Gluttony goes after Mei Chang, but Al saves her and attempts to escape. However, as they go through the sewers, Al is greeted by the gatekeepers. Scar appears, and Envy and Gluttony are behind him, so they're kind of cornered uh, on either way. Al asks Scar to take Mei Chang to safety, and Scar is surprised to hear that Al is willing to let him to escape. Al says that it sickens him to ask Scar for help, but right now getting Mei help is more important. Al mentions that they likely won't kill him since they need him. Scar states that he is too injured to get her to the surface, and that he's not ready to turn his back on this place. So he does a quick transmutation of the water, turning it into hydrogen, then he throws Al's head against the pipe, causing a spark which results in an explosion. The explosion seems to kill off most of the gatekeeper, Chimera, uh, injured Envy, and it weakened Gluttony to a point where he's no longer able to heal. Also, Scar used the cover of the explosion to escape while Al is just kind of standing there. Ed continues to fight with Greed, thinking that you know Ling still has to be in there somewhere, but unfortunately he's not able to reach out to Ling. Greed subdues Ed, Envy brings back Gluttony and Al, and then Father asks them to take everyone to see Wrath. The credits roll. Post-credits, we see that Father consumes Gluttony's Philosopher's Stone and promises to birth him again with his memories. A lot happened in this episode. What were some of your notes? Yes. Um, I just want to say at the top of this episode, I like the new theme song for this season. It's not my favorite favorite but it's still a pretty good jam i agree I, i'm not a big like i'd say that my least favorite opening song from the full battle alchemist series is probably the third one which uh for, for season three but i mean none of them are bad no i still kind of get the the action you feel uh from it but 
you know, it's not, it's not up there. I mean, they're all great. So it's just probably the least right now my in the pack. But um, saying that, this episode has a, a lot of action in it. And I feel like anytime I get attached to a character, something happens to that character. We, we were talking last week about Ling and his kind of transformation uh, from this comedic character to this action character. And now his He's been taken over by the Philosopher's Stone. Yep, he is now a homunculi or a human-based homunculi, similar to what we saw with Wrath. It doesn't look like he's actually gone, I guess. But yeah, he's definitely not the same, if you will. Uh, Definitely, it seems like Reed's personality has taken over the body. Yeah, it's... It's interesting kind of how willing he was to go. It makes you think that he's got some some plan up his sleeve um, about how this is going to go down with him. And uh, I don't know. What do we call it? Like the Philosopher's Stone? Because he is a, the homunculus now. But it's like two beings inside of him. I guess greed and him. Yeah, so basically, the way I understand it is the Philosopher's Stone is the homunculus. So, like, what we learned from the episode with Lust, where she dies, is that the, the Philosopher's Stone is what the, is who they actually are. And then from it, it creates a body. So that's why when they destroy the stone, they effectively destroy the homunculus. But when, when Mustang just pulled the stone out of Lust's body, it didn't kill her. She just reformed where the stone was now, uh, whereas her old body disintegrates. So, yeah, when they put the stone in, they essentially put the homunculi, uh, homunculi's personality or the homunculi's soul in there. Uh, like, a few key things pointed out to me was how he mentioned, will you be my greed or will you be my avarice, uh, when Father put it in there. And it, the stone came out of Father. So it's like... I'm. I'm it, it seems like the souls that he is using are all so are like these greedy souls or the greediest souls in his body. So we learned in the earlier episode that Xerxes was turned into a philosopher's stone and was absorbed. Uh, presumably it was all done by father. And so if it's possible that he's just taken like to the most, uh, most sinful of those souls to create the homunculi because we learn with wrath that when he was ejected with the most wrathful souls, so it stands to reason that greed was created from the most greedy souls. But then, like I guess they all kind of cl- conglomerate or something to create this single identity. Because you see all the souls kind of floating around, but then you see greed's face too. So, yeah, it it is interesting. It because. I always thought that the the soul died when making the Philosopher's Stone, that it's the energy of the soul that makes the stone, and then the stone has power. But what I'm learning is that the stone is the soul, it seems like. So does that mean that, I don't know, like, is there a way to pull these souls out? 
I probably, but my guess is that they've been so, they way, what Envy says in the previous episode is that they've been so far removed from their body or they've been away from their body for so long that they don't even remember what they used to look like or anything. My guess is that, yeah, the soul, so the person technically, the body dies when they extract the soul out of that body to create a philosopher's stone, but then that soul continues to exist. However, the longer that soul stays away from the body, the more it begins to forget what it is. And then so eventually it's just, it, it's not, I think it's still a soul, but it doesn't have any memories. So it's just, so at that point, it's just, it's just energy. So I think even if you could extract it at that point, they're so far gone that maybe you would be able to like allow them to go to the afterlife, but you probably couldn't actually give them a new life or anything after that. Yeah, it, it just fascinated me seeing, uh, I guess, when we go inside Ling's inner self and we see that. I wouldn't call it a battle because Ling willingly lets uh, the stone take over. But to see that the stone has its own voice and its own thoughts and I guess its own feelings was very interesting to me. Yes, Um I agree. And then also the big difference I saw with him and with Wrath's story, Wrath mentioned that he fought all the souls until there was just one left, the most wrathful one or survived. So his body was just resilient enough to keep living, uh, to, to survive the process of transmuting over and over and over again. Whereas, you know, the, we saw the people that they injected the stone into prior to all died within a set amount of time of that process however ling didn't seem to resist it at all he just welcomed it with open arms so it's going to be curious to see how that plays out true and i guess then that makes greed or greed slash ling the second human homunculus is that right yes because everyone else is uh just their own their own being I, i figure yeah, so the other ones are standalone. Uh, Wrath was the first human-based, and up until this point, the only human-based one. And I think it was largely so that he could blend in easier because he would be being that he's uh, the his base is a human body. He would age and whatnot, and so people wouldn't be uh, suspicious if they saw. You know, they they wouldn't be suspicious of him being, being a homunculus because he. You know, he just aged like a normal human being, and he manages to keep his eye under that eye patch. That being said, uh, um, yeah, this would be the second one that they've created. And, uh, yeah, I think the other ones are just stones that form a body around them. Hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting to just kind of see Father make a new... Uh, homunculus. I we've seen it before with Wrath, but kind of to see it happening in today's, I don't know how to say it, present time in the anime is really interesting. But why does Father look like their father, and he knows their father? I find that so fascinating, and like it didn't get. I mean, they're dropping the breadcrumbs, but. 
it was just kind of mentioned and then they don't talk about it anymore in the episode though they are fighting a lot so not too much time for discussion yeah that's true he does mention that he knows them because when uh when the boy, when Ed calls him Hohenheim, he says, "What's this name you say? You, should, you surely don't mean von Hohenheim. What is he to you?" And then Ed says, "You know, he's our father." And he's like, "Oh, I didn't realize Hohenheim had kids, and you know that kind of thing." So clearly, they know each other. But yeah, we don't really go into any much deeper information about how they know each other, why they know each other, or why they look alike. And actually, a fun fact in the manga. Uh, in the manga, they purposely leave it ambiguous up until this part. So when you see Father and Hohenheim in the manga, they're supposed they're supposed to confuse you and make you think it is the same person. But then when they get to this part where they actually meet Father, they realize that it's two separate people. And that kind of reveals to the audience that, oh yeah, these are indeed two separate people. It's not the same guy. Uh, so... Uh, they don't really do that as well in the manga, or not in the manga, in the anime, but, you know, it's not too bad. It, it, is, it is an interesting little factoid there. I mean, for the first couple of times we see Hohenheim and Father, not not together necessarily, but we see them in their um, respective areas, it does give you that feeling that, oh, this could be the same person. Uh, until this moment where it's confirmed that they're two different people or not necessarily two different people. One person is a person and the other per- thing is a something because uh, when May walks in, she says that that's not a human. She feels something different from this person. Ling also says that when he, he gets um, out of gluttony when he's pointing his sword at father being like this isn't a human so if father's not a human what is father yeah that is a very good point i'm obviously we'll probably find out later but it does bring a lot of these questions so what is father why is he creating a homunculus why does he have these powers like he he's clearly able to turn off the brother's alchemy somehow we don't see other than we seeing him tap his foot we don't actually see what happens but then he's not able to stop scar in may chang's and even that seemed to confuse him that they were able to still transmute uh it seems like you know that's kind of he he doesn't expect that that should be able to happen so there's a lot going on and there's a lot more to this person or uh, whatever he is than we're being led on to know but it would be very, yeah, it, it's got me curious because now it's like, okay, we finally met the villain and we know a little bit about him, but we still don't know a lot about him. I wonder if it has something to do with Alkahestry and because it's so different than the, the Western alchemy that they use. I don't, I, I can't remember if Scar's brother was studying Alkahestry. Wasn't he studying both? Yeah, he was studying both. So it might yeah, be so, both. I mean, it might be a combination. Yeah, so I was like, I was thinking maybe it's because of something to do with Alkahestry and how it's different than what uh, Father knows to be alchemy. 
And that's why that those two could still use their power or their powers. And that's that was my theory of it all. And again, Ling and May noticing that father is not a hundred percent human is another thing of like how people from machine have this other sense to them that they can feel it. Well, Ed and Al were confused by his presence. They thought he was a human. It's just all. I'm glad everyone's coming together is kind of what I'm saying. I'm glad. I hope this means that scar is going to start working with them and we can all get on this same page. Cause scar is, would be a great weapon to their team. Yeah, both Scar and uh, Mei Chen, because they both know, apparently they are not deterred by his alchemic blocking or whatever they want to call it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mei is probably, well, there's Mei and Ling. Well, we don't have Ling anymore. But Mei is an amazing fighter for, I guess, being as young as she is. And are we going to talk about the heartbreak that she endured this episode finally meeting edward elric yeah she finally met him and it's funny because they have this whole little process where she's kind of she's happy when when he mentions full metal when scar mentions full metal and she's like oh where is he and then he points to it and sees like this guy who looks completely different than the person she envisioned and we just see it go through her head where she has this the, the, this vision of having this dreamy guy and everything, and then all of a sudden it's just squashed and she just loses it. Yeah, it's like you met someone online and this is your first date, and she's like, oh no, that's that's you? She was very upset about it. She was very upset and that seemed to, like, that's what seemed to drive her to fight more so than the fact that they ran into father, like, it definitely seemed like the fact that she was tricked or that that the man that she fantasized about wasn't the person she thought he was it made her angry enough to start fighting. Yes, and oh man, the the hilarious scenes of her with Edward and they're on the beach and they're having dinner together and it's uh Looks like things of a romantic novel covers was hilarious. It was a great kind of break in the action because we just saw Ling get taken over. And this is a great kind of breather moment for us. Yes, it, it is definitely the comedic part of the episode is seeing me Chang show up and getting all angry. Otherwise, it seems like it was a really, uh, really, uh, uh, what's the word we're looking for? Really, not downer of an episode, but a really serious episode otherwise. Do you think this is a turning point for Scar? That Scar is going to join uh, the brothers, like Team Elric, now that uh, he knows the truth? Maybe. I think he is. I think he's coming around, and I think we're going to kind of see a redemption arc with him. Because, I don't know, like, I don't think... He, I don't think he's evil, so to speak, or at least that's what the show is trying to go for, as much as he is just blinded by his revenge. And it might be one of those things where he's just like, 
oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not angry anymore or something like that. Uh, or I'm not angry anymore or not that he's not angry anymore. I think he'll always be angry, but like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm time. I'm, my anger shouldn't be directed at you guys. So we'll see. Well, I'm wondering if he's going to realize that he has misdirected his anger that he thought these people were the cause of uh, all his hurt. Not to say that the state alchemist didn't like wipe out his all his people because they did, but the catalyst of it all wasn't the state alchemist. So I don't know. Does that make it any better? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Like I don't. It's hard for me to say. I think now that he knows that the alchemists themselves were just pawns and the real people who were behind it all were these others is probably going to make him change his mind a lot. It is interesting kind of seeing Scar realize. And I was fascinated that Scar took the brothers uh, or Edward telling him this as like just truth right off the bat. This is someone who he's been going head to head with since they've met. And I don't know. It's just interesting that Edward tells him that it was actually Envy that shot the child. And he kind of takes it 100% as true. I guess it makes sense to me, though, that he would do that. Because why would the brothers lie to him? Like, they're clearly they aren't working with the homunculi and the homunculi are up to no good. Um, as Scar had mentioned from other things, like they are inhuman. So I think that kind of gave him reason to believe them. And is this the end of Gluttony? I mean, Glut- uh, Envy says that Gluttony has used too much of his juice. Like he's using too much of his uh, stone and now he's uh, actually dying. So are we are we seeing the end of Gluttony? Was this the end of Gluttony? I don't think so. Like, I think he couldn't heal anymore, but he wasn't technically dead at this point in time. And father took him back in, so to speak. And I think that's going to like give him the ability to recover. I'm also wondering, father made a new greed. I wonder if we'll get like a new lust. I, I that would be interesting to see lust as a person, homunculi, because I think. The homunculus, the homunculi made out of people are way better than the other versions. They seem more high quality, I guess. True. But at the same time, earlier we saw, like earlier we saw father consume uh, Greed's Philosopher's Stone and take it back into him. Whereas Lust just died, like her Philosopher's Stone is destroyed. Uh, so like, yeah, I think, like, I think she's just gone for good. Whereas greed, like he didn't actually die. He just was reduced back to his philosopher's stone and could re re consumed into father. Uh, true. Uh, but, Hmm. I guess so. But could he create a new lust with like, or is, do you think he's running out of stone power? I mean, my thoughts are he probably took 
So we know all the all of them are named after the seven deadly sins. So he seems like he was trying to purge himself of all the sins. So I doubt he has any more lust in him, so to speak. And that so we might not see any more lust for that meeting. Like I think he took all of his lust to I think he would take he took all of his lust to create lust, all of his envy to create envy, and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, I, I think he's probably done. Oh, is this why he's such like a a neutral person? You don't see really any emotion from him. No, you don't. I think that's probably why is because he he has like voided himself of all of his sins like it's it just to me the fact that all of his homunculi are named after the seven deadly sins and he's purged them from his body and he says will you be my wrath will you be my greed and then yeah he seems to be very very neutral but also very arrogant and that he sees himself as above humans so purging himself of those sins seems like it would probably be something he would do now i'm trying to think We've got gluttony, gel, envy. There's no like pride, right? It's pride. We haven't met pride yet, but yeah. Okay, I don't. This is interesting, and he also is like sepia looking when you compare him to everyone else. He's not colorful, is what I'm like saying. So it does seem like he's missing something. Yeah, probably. Um, I guess we'll find out later more, but, you know, there's definitely a lot going on there. Oh, man, interesting. I, a lot has been said this episode. Like, a lot of truth has been said. Um, we lost a character, kind of, in uh, Ling. Um, and I don't know. It's... It's interesting. And then now the brothers have been captured. Yes, they have. So, yeah, I think we'll have to figure out what happens next. Uh, if, if their life is going to be, uh, if, if their life's going to be difficult, so to speak, or if they're going to, how they're going to get out of this, I guess we should say. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good jumping on point for the next episode. Yes, let's do that. So the next episode is called, let me see here, ah, Struggle of the Fool. So this takes place immediately where we leave off. Envy is escorting Ed and Al to the surface. They get in an elevator. Once they exit, Ed realizes that they are in central command. So they have been in central command this whole time or right underneath it which is a disturbing thought to them that this is all happening at the capital of their country. Envy takes Ed to the shower so he can get clean because obviously with everything that has happened up to this point, he's dirty and that would raise suspicions with the military. Ed mentions to Al that he found his body and so there is hope in retrieving it. And Ad reveals that Mei Chang and Xiao Mei are hiding in his armor as that was the only way he was able to get them to safety. Envy then takes them out and says Wrath will take over. So they leave, take them to a room where Wrath and Mustang are. 
The brothers are surprised to learn that, indeed, King Bradley is wrath. The guards left them alone with Bradley and Mustang. We hear their thought process. Uh, they're not really talking to each other, but they're all thinking the same thing about how the guards aren't here. There's three of them and one of him. How, and he only has one sword, but for the guards to leave him alone, he must be extremely confident in the fact that he could take them in a fight. So I think this kind of causes them to decide not to fight. Uh, Raph essentially warns the brothers, uh, and Mustang for that matter, that they are all very important to him, and so they should just keep their head down. And as long as they keep their head down and don't cause any trouble, they will be safe. Uh, Ed says he has no desire to help them and that he will warn all the other state alchemists. He resigns as the full metal alchemist. That being said, Wrath brings up Winry and essentially threatens harm to her if the Elrics don't stay in line. So Ed agrees to remain a state alchemist and keep quiet, but reluctantly, of course. Al asks if they could still search for a way to get their bodies back, and Wrath says he has no problem with it as long as they keep out of the way of what Father's trying to do. Mustang says that he has no intentions of resigning. Uh, he still has his ambitions, and he plans uh, to remain in the military and not give up his rank. Wrath then dismisses him. Mustang asks Wrath if he was the one who killed Hughes, and Wrath said no, but then he wouldn't answer the follow-up question of who actually did it. Uh, then Mustang pierces Alphonse because he suspects that somebody is in the armor, but no blood comes out when he removes the sword. Xiaomei uh, and Mei Chang were fortunate enough to be able to hide in Al's legs, so the sword going through his side didn't really get them. Uh, Ed borrows money from Mustang and runs out. Mustang runs out to try to find Riza. Riza is still there waiting for him, uh, but at first he was worried that you know she tried to cut and run after all this stuff had happened. Uh, then we, we see, we actually have a lot of jumping around that happens. Ed is calling Winry just to ensure that she's safe and not being followed around. Greed is hanging out around them. Uh, and Greed gives a piece of cloth that Ling wrote on and asks the brothers to forward to Lanfan. Of course, naturally the brothers are a little suspicious that Greed wants to hurt Lanfan or something. And Greed's like, nah, I'm just... This is, what the, this is what the kid wanted. I have no desire to hurt them. So and then he just walks off. We jump to Scar, who is wandering in the tunnels on um, the tunnels post-escape. He happens to pass by the cell where they are keeping Marco. Marco hears him and notices his injuries and says that he can help because he's a doctor. Upon entering the cell, Marco recognizes him as the alchemist killing Ishvalan. And this makes Marco happy. Uh, they bring Mei Chang to Dr. Knox, they being Al Rat, really, uh, to help her with her concussion. Al delivers the message to Lan Fan, which states that Ling, now Greed, has the Philosopher's Stone. She's happy and thinks they can return to Xing, but Al is hesitant to say anything. Wrath and Greed meet up and have a conversation about Ling and how naive he was, thinking a king's duty is to his people. For a split second, we hear Ling's voice as he tells Wrath not to underestimate humans. So it appears that Ling is still alive, or his consciousness is still alive, but Greed's soul is the dominant soul in the body. Uh, Mustang then informs Armstrong that the Fuhrer is homunculus. Armstrong is conflicted. He looks back to the Ishvalan Civil War uh, when he first noticed the vile nature of their military. He protested and everything and was 
ultimately dismissed from duty uh, from the war. He felt like maybe he should have stuck around and fought back against the war, but instead he just walked away. And now he regrets it because by walking away, he allowed the war to get worse. So now he's assigned to stay in the system where he can continue to fight back against the evils of their nation. And then Mustang figures that Wrath or whoever Wrath's superior is actually just testing him. And so that's why he's he's kind of playing, um, you know, three-dimensional chess or whatever it is they call it with, uh, with Wrath, as Mustang tends to do. We jump back to Nox's house. Al informs Lon Fawn of everything that has happened. She's hopeful that he's still alive in there, that Ling is still somewhere inside of Greed, and she decides to get some auto mail so that she can try and rescue Ling. Mei Chang wanders into the room, and this triggers a fight because they are in opposing clans, Lon Fawn and Mei Chang. And they start to fight until Nox shows up and, well, knocks some sense into them with frying pans. Uh, he doesn't want them fighting because they are too sick and injured. And then, of course, he makes this illusion that his house is dirty and they'll kick up some killer mold or something if they move around too much. Alphonse decides to help Knox clean up his house. He finds a picture of his wife and young son. Knox picks it up and then proceeds to throw it away. He has had a falling out with his wife and kid. Uh, we don't learn much more about it. Edward decides to make rounds around the city. He's using his alchemy to help fix things that are broken. It is revealed in conversation that apparently no alchemist was able to use their alchemy earlier. So this is around the same time that that he uh, shut down the alchemy, that father shut down the alchemy. So Ed finds this interesting. Ed's just walking around and he's just pondering everything that happened, what he learned about father, about, about Al's body, uh, the threat against Winry, all of that stuff. And then of course the whole, everybody losing their ability to use alchemy. But then he's just like, realizes that he actually still has the gun that Riza left him. So he decides to go return it. We go to a post credit scene and we hear Marco talking to Scar and it's kind of a voiceover on top of father. He admits to being forced to create the philosopher's stone. He used a lot of his fallen lives and he is now being coerced to do it again, only on a much grander scale. And he has no interest in doing genocide. So he wants Scar to kill him, uh, to one, punish him for what he did to the Shvalans, but also to save the country, because if he's no longer around, he's no longer he's no longer of use to them. So uh, that's where the episode ends. What are some of your thoughts on that one? For me, this was a a little shorter episode, uh, a lot's going on. And like you said, there's a, it's a lot of, a lot of back and forth. And, uh, I don't know. I feel like we didn't get much on the brothers, but we learned a lot about Mustang and kind of his team. And I love seeing young Armstrong, uh, with his little like curly, hair one hair sticking out but i guess in his 20s or i don't know i don't know how old armstrong is but we get to see him during the war and he's younger yes he definitely was younger uh i don't know how much younger but yeah and he, he doesn't even have the mustache which was definitely uh an interest because you get so used to seeing his mustache all the time so seeing him without it was kind of funny it does make me kind of want a spinoff 
of just all of the characters we see now, minus the brothers, kind of, I don't know. I don't want to see them in the war, though. But I want to see them maybe in training or in, like, the academy together or something like that. I guess the younger versions of Mustang and everyone. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, it's too kind of a backstory. Unfortunately, they would have to touch upon the uh, the genocide and everything since that was, it seems like so far we're seeing that, that was just such a huge turning point in a lot of the soldiers and how they viewed the military or the world and whatnot. So I feel like they would have to eventually hit that. Yeah. Well, dude, oh, if we do get a younger version spinoff, it means we would get Hughes back. Young Hughes. I would like to see what what single Hughes is like. Since he's so defined by his marriage and what we see him as, I wonder what single Hughes is like. That would be kind of interesting to see. I'll, I'll give you that. But just, just like pre-marriage and how he kind of got to be the person he is. Yeah. I mean, I the one flashback we see with uh, way back was um, him and Mustang kind of looking up at Fuhrer Bradley during the war. And Hughes is like, oh, I'm, I support you, Mustang, and I'll always stand behind beside you. And it makes me feel like Hughes has always been this guy who is very loyal to his friends and like very kind-hearted. But I just want to see what it's like before he met his wife and settled down. That, that would be interesting to see. And th- there was just a lot that happened. I mean, I kind of agree that it was a short episode, but also it just seemed like a big information dump. We kind of, maybe not an information dump, but it kind of set the stage for where things are going to go now because it kind of, I, I guess it feels like the brothers have found their answer, so to speak. Like they, okay, so like they start this whole show with trying to figure out how to create a Philosopher's Stone. And now they wind up figuring out that there's these things called a homunculus and there might have been some greater experiment or greater conspiracy going on. Now they found confirmation that there is a conspiracy and that they are being seen as valuable resources for father. And that's why the homunculi are very interested in protecting them and everything. And so they might not know the details of the conspiracy, but they've confirmed that there is a conspiracy. This father guy is the true ruler of the country. The Fuhrer is a homunculus who's essentially a puppet. All that stuff. So it's like, now what are they going to do with that information? Because they're limited on what they're going to do. But there's also no way that they're going to be all right with just sitting there and accepting this as the new reality that they're going to try to create another Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. I Yeah, like you said... We did get a like a big information dump this episode, and it's it's kind of setting the stage up for something bigger. We just had a um, a whole lot happen in the last episode, which is the beginning of the season, and this seems like a breather episode. Not not so much a filler because uh, it's just cementing everything we thought. Uh, Ed's relationship to Winry. Uh, Mustang's relationship with his team. Um, you could see that Risa Hawkeye was still very loyal to him, even though she's kind of been stationed somewhere else. You see her loyalties lie with Mustang, and I 
would guarantee that the other people in his uh, his squad are still very loyal to him, even though they're spread out everywhere. Yeah, that is very true. Like we definitely see, they don't come out and say it, but I there's definitely a uh, like something more than just. Um, work relationship between them like a subordinate leader type relationship there's clearly something deeper because we saw that kind of sleek a little bit with Riza's uh with Riza's response about standing by him and everything then she like tries to correct herself to make it sound more professional yeah I definitely would ship them or I am I guess I am shipping them I think they make a great couple though I mean I kind of like uh, with oh no, I can't remember her name Havoc and Hawkeye. I think they would make a couple too. So True. I definitely think that's what they're setting up for. Like maybe once everything is done and solved, and they've saved the world or whatever, at the end of the anime that they meet, or or hey, maybe halfway through they realize that you know, I, I feel like they're both now so disillusioned with. What with the military and what the military has done and everything, that I feel like they're at a point where they might not be so much more concerned about rank and everything like that at some point. So maybe they will like break the rules or something. I wonder. Do you think Ed made the wrong decision by leaving the military? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Technically, he didn't leave. Like he he tried to, but then he they forced him back in, but. Yeah, I think I think him trying to probably was a bad idea because now they know that he's upset. And like even though, yeah, they've threatened Winry, so maybe that's gonna keep him uh keep him stable. They also know that he is very unhappy, so he might be a risk when all is said and done. I think I don't it's it's they're in a weird situation where Everyone knows everyone's secret now. Uh, the Fuhrer knows that they're after. They, I guess the Fuhrer knows that Mustang and the brothers are trying to stop him. And they know that he is a homunculus and they know a father now. It's kind of this weird, everything's out in the open, but we got to act like, Nothing's happened. Uh, yeah, I, I I always got the feeling that they were kind of privy to stuff already. Like, I feel like the that the Fuhrer and the Monkey all knew more about what they were motivated by or what they were up to, more so than the brothers knew what the Homunculi were up to. So it looks like they were keeping close tabs on them. And of course, they already had knowledge about what was going on, like in terms of the things at the fifth lab and Xerxes and everything. So, yeah, I think I think it's now that I think the concern is now that the brothers know that they're like they have confirmation that something bad is happening, that that they're going to try to do something to kill everybody or turn everybody into a philosopher's stone. And so now that they know that and the brothers being the people that they are, Yes, threatening Winry is probably going to keep them at bay for a while, but at some point they're not going to be all right with just letting things be as they will. So, yeah, they're going to have to keep an eye on them. I am very relieved that Armstrong had nothing to do with anything. And you could tell by his reaction to when 
Mustang and Hawkeye tell him the truth and how it kind of breaks him. And I'm just satisfied, not that he got broken, but that a couple episodes ago, we saw that so many people who are higher up rank knew about uh, Fear of Bradley. And I just was wondering how far down I went. And it's relieving knowing that Armstrong is still a good guy. Yeah, it seems like Armstrong was just a foot soldier, more or less. I mean, granted, he's a state alchemist, but it doesn't seem like he got any joy out of the military uh, or out of the Ashvalan Civil War. Uh, Yeah, it seems like he has similar motivations to Mustang, too, because it seems like Mustang got no joy out of the Civil War either, but he maybe feels like being in the military, like one of those, I can only change it from the inside type of things. And I'm thinking maybe that's some Armstrong who's the same way, like why he didn't resign from the military after the Ishvalan Civil War is because he just wanted to, uh, you know, he, he wanted to stay with it because he maybe felt like he could change it from the inside. I do like, like I, I was saying, this episode is a, it's a very kind of cementing uh, our thoughts on certain characters. I do like how this is kind of uh, Armstrong's turning point for him. I think he's going to be way more active now because he remembers back during the war and he was holding the child, the, the dying child and I believe it was the dying child. And, um, he, it was, it really tore him apart. And they said, you know, we can't use you here. You know, you need to go back somewhere else. We need soldiers who can fight. And he kind of left the area and Mustang talking to him now. He says that he wished he didn't leave because he couldn't do anything from far away. That he needs to be the change. So I'm wondering if he's going to start being the change. And he's going to start being more proactive and more... He's been helping Mustang kind of in secret and giving Mustang clues to what he knows. I wonder if he's fully going to join the team. Even if it's kind of from afar. Is he going to be actively working with them now? I think so. Like, I think what this did was cement that he is an actual ally. Like, for one, Mustang obviously trusts Armstrong to reveal that he's a homunculus, cause, or that uh, that Wrath is a homunculus, because we've seen that while there seems to be some kind of relationship, Armstrong's not one of Mustang's men. Like, he, so he does not owe Armstrong anything. They're just kind of allies or co-workers or whatnot. And so for him to tell arm uh, to for him to tell Armstrong what he had learned, you know, he risks Armstrong spreading it and then it being traced back to him and him being in trouble as a result. So by him doing that, he's kind of cementing how how honest he is uh, or how honest he feels towards him. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I'm loving how we're bringing Armstrong in. He's he's always been. He's been a great help to the brothers and to Mustang, but always from kind of a distance. I really want to see how he is helping them kind of close up. And is he going to be more uh, side by side with uh, Mustang now? Or do you think Armstrong needs to 
being more hidden because the Fuhrer doesn't know that Armstrong knows about them or everything that Mustang knows. That's true. So I just, it's great seeing everyone come together and it seems like we're almost all on the same page. I think the last uh, kind of thread in all this is uh, Scar. And if we can get Scar on board and maybe form one task force, I really do think everyone stands a good chance of figuring this all out. And we still don't know what the plan is, so I don't know how they're, they're going to stop it. I am kind of curious, too. And granted, we're, what, at the very beginning of Season 3, and so we still have to finish out Season 3, then 4 and 5. So there's a lot that's going to happen. But, yes, I think they've definitely solidified that Armstrong's an ally. An ally. They've definitely solidified that Reza's an ally, though we kind of already knew. Uh and yeah, now everybody's kind of in the know of everything that's going on. And of course, one other thing that they solidify is the fact that Ling is still alive. Like he, I guess, greed is the dominant consciousness, but Ling's consciousness is still in there. So like, it's not like Ling died or or whatever. In the same way, like I remember how Wrath, when he's describing his origin, he said that the only thing that survived was the most wrathful soul. And so he doesn't know if the soul that's inside of him was his original soul that he was born with or one of the souls in the stone and he don't doesn't think he'll ever know so you know it, it seems like that's a possibility of creating a human base some homunculus is that it, er- it eradicates the soul it, po- it potentially could eradicate the soul of the user but yeah um yeah i guess that's just a very interesting point uh, to me is that Ling's soul still survived, maybe because he didn't fight it, and so it didn't destroy him. True, and we see that scene where Ling comes out. Yep. Not like comes out of his body, but when they're talking to Bradley, and you get that quick moment of Ling being like, don't talk about humans that way. Yes. And Greed says that Ling always... Ling is in there, and he's got to keep Ling down. Which makes me think Ling is just waiting for the right moment. And he's going to overpower Greed. And that would be great, too, to have that kind of power on the team. That's interesting. I agree. That would definitely be very interesting to see or see what what winds up coming to that. Because if Ling, yeah, if Ling's still in there, one, we know Greed based on earlier episodes. Granted, they say this isn't the same Greed, but we know Greed is greedy and his personality put him at odds with the other homunculites where he departed and kind of did his own thing because he didn't want to help father take over the world. He wanted to take over the world. So my thoughts are at some point, he's probably going to come like greed is probably at some point by his own nature is going to come at odds with father. And then maybe Ling's personality rubs off on him in a little bit and he winds up joining uh, the good guys. Yeah. I wonder if there can be a true, fusion of the two souls like can they merge into kind of one and inhabit the body at the same time so we get like the good parts of both of them that is a good question i mean there's no precedent for it but that doesn't mean it can't happen because we know that there's two souls in that body because one is always going to be fighting the other if that's the case if ling comes out then he's going to always have to be suppressing greed unless what 
Wrath says is true that maybe Ling can destroy Creed's soul and just be Ling with the Philosopher's Stone body. Could be. Yeah, it could be that they merge or it could be that they come to some kind of agreement on how they share their, their how they share their knowledge. This is a great jumping off point for this season because all the characters were we're locking everyone down in their roles and we get the hope that Ling is going to come out of green possibly. And it feels like Wrath knows this because we see this moment when Ling comes out for that second and Wrath is like he kind of gives you that look or you get that feeling that Wrath's like, oh, we got to keep an eye on him. Yeah, he definitely seems concerned by the fact that Ling is still somewhere in there. I'm definitely excited for this season. If we're starting off with uh, the first episode we, or I guess the second episode, and how much we got from that, and everything's kind of out in the open. No one has to be really... uh, secretive about anything anymore i still think we're gonna run some undercover missions but you know you can do things more freely now they're i think they're gonna work hard or like go full force now i agree i think we're gonna see them actually trying to figure out how get more information and figure out how to fight this without putting their friends and the loved ones at risk so that will be interesting and i think we'll just start learning more about all the characters involved as well Cool. That's all I have. How about you? Yeah, just uh, I'm really excited to, to keep going with this season. Yes, me too. This is like like I've always said. Like this is probably the millionth time I've said this, but this is my favorite anime of all time. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's this anime sucks you in. I mean, I was hooked. I've always been hooked since episode one. But yeah, it just uh. It keeps you wanting to watch it over and over again. So this is really great. Yes. And we will watch even more episodes and talk about it next week. So as always, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy. Bye. Bye.